Welcome to another episode of Pod for Good, a podcast where we learn from those doing good in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the world, why they care, what we can do, and most importantly, what you can do. Pod for Good is produced and edited by Random Productions, which is me. So if you like how we sound and are thinking about starting a podcast, reach out to me. I am very easy to find. Pod for Good can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy what we do here, please make sure to subscribe and share our episodes on social media and with people that you think would be interested. Word of mouth is how most podcasts grow their listeners. So if you want to give Chris a Christmas present and me a Hanukkah present, you can subscribe and do, and please just download. You don't even have to listen. Just download them. Please leave us a review, a five-star one. I guess we have to be specific now. Uh, I am, as always, your yeah, listen, three-star guy, I hate you. I am your chief philanthropod and class clown for justice, eight crazy nights, Jesse Ulrich. And I'm your vice admiral philanthropod and class clown for justice, 10 lords a-leaping, Chris Miller. And today, our episode, we are speaking with the founder of the Black Wall Street Times, Nehemiah Frank. We talked to Nehemiah about Democrats needing to up their ground game in Oklahoma, how Greg Robinson is more popular than him in Georgia, and how Tulsa is actually getting better. Well, we are very excited to again have Nehemiah Frank, the founder and executive director slash CEO of the Black Wall Street Times on the podcast. I'm, in, I'm the boss. I'm in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I, finally, I finally gained the courage to, to accept that, that I am in charge. When you're in charge, does it really matter what title you give yourself? It's it just really like if everyone knows. Right. Um, he so, gets the final decisions. Yes. That guy. Titles only really matter if you're trying to get a different job and the title makes it easier to get that next job. That's it. <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's why I give myself CEO of my one person company, just in case I can be like, well, I've already been a CEO, so you have to pay me more for whatever this like mid-level job that I'm never going to get again. So, <laughs> but okay. So last time we spoke with you, it was... A very tense time here in Oklahoma. Uh, we are about to celebrate the. We had already celebrated um, the centennial of the Tulsa race massacre, but we were about to celebrate Juneteenth. And former President Trump was on his way to town originally on the day, and then decided to push it back one day because someone convinced him, like, "Don't be that much of an ass." Um, we worked on that. We actually kept him from having Juneteenth uh, as the day. Um, we were making phone calls, called the senator, called the state senators, James Langford. We called everyone to, to get him to not have his comeback tour rally, first of all, in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. But um, on Juneteenth. So the audacity yeah. to even think that that was appropriate. Mm-hmm. We were saying before that no one died. Technically, some people did die of COVID sure. from that thing. So yeah. there's that. But we are now, this is December of 2020. Um, and what, yes, December of 2022. Herman Cain was the that's right. black Republican yeah, that's right. who caught COVID at that super spreader that Trump had here in Tulsa. Yeah. And that's, you, we have no idea how many others who were less prominent, less well-known, right. who caught it and died. That's as well. real. That's good. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Herman Cain. Um, <laughs> uh, again, I think the only presidential candidate to uh, quote Pokemon in a speech, I think, once. <laughs> so wow. that's a that's a deep deep cut for you there. But so 
it's been a long time since then. The world has gotten about maybe slightly better. I think, again, this is something we could debate about whether it's better or not, but I feel like the, the fights have shifted slightly since then. Mm-hmm. Um, we just, you now, um, I think even then you still, I think you lived here last time we interviewed you, but you, you, you now live in Atlanta. Yeah. And Atlanta and the state of Georgia just had an interesting um, political fight, one would say. Yeah. And even though I wish the numbers weren't as close as they were, I still feel pretty happy about it. So I guess like on your sense of the course of human history, how are we doing? Yeah. Hmm. Personally, I am pretty good. I am feeling good. Um, I still feel hopeful about Tulsa, um, which is why I'm still, you know, I still feel like I have a, have a presence here. Um, and I always have a presence because my roots are deep in Tulsa. Um, but yeah. I think I'm a little overworked <laughs> being in my role. Um, but yeah, life is good. Life is good. I'm blessed. Well, that's good to hear because, you know, we all can work ourselves to death if we choose not to stop, mm-hmm. um, as I've learned. And, you know, also like just using the natural energy we have. We're like, you know what? I do feel like I'm going to get a lot done today. And on days when I don't feel like that, I'm not going to, uh, I don't push anymore. I'm like, you know what? Just, I'll just sit in a, fo- a, a fog for a couple hours because that's just what my body wants to do today. Um, and then I'll go to boxing class and I feel better. That, like, goes, is, is that like an age thing? Like as we age, hmm. we're just like... So I think a lot of people here in Tulsa, they, they see me and they're like, oh, he must be around Greg or you know Greg Robinson's age or Tyrant's age or Shada Brown's age. And I'm like, I am 10 years older than them. <laughs> I'm about to turn 40. Yeah. It's eight. And I'm ready to get in the bed. <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> I think that's a lot. I mean, because because we're about the same age, and you hit that point where what a largely gets sacrificed is a lot of your social time. It's like you're not you're not working for ten hours and then also going out afterwards right. anymore. That's yeah, done. I don't that's have that done. energy. It's like wearing yourself out working, and you know maybe doing a, a little bit of stuff, whether it's community work or whatever, and then you're just done. Yeah, and it's like, you know, there's a lot of, um, and with the Black Wall Street Times, it's it's a national publication. It's not just a Tulsa thing. Um, and I wanted it to just be a Tulsa thing, but it just spilled over. And I think it was because people just had interest in what was happening here with Black Wall Street, the history, and did they get reparations? Then Trump showed up, and then everything just kind of really accelerated. Well, you've hit a couple of milestones. The, the Black Wall Street Times has hit a couple of milestones since yeah. we last spoke. Um, like I'm trying to think of some of the ones that you have you have passed, but you have almost like you get you're getting around a million hits like a month now, right? Well, we're not quite there yet. Um, I would say we're about four or five hundred thousand views monthly. We're switching our um, content management service um, soon. And so once we switch that over, um, there'll be a new fresh website. We actually have engineers that know what they're doing, Mm -hmm. right? Um, To make sure that um, our social reach is strong. 
you get that uh, SEO right. Get the SEO right. Search engine optimization. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. For, right. for, for, for our viewers. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Like, if you don't know what SEO is, <laughs> like, I guess you, you could work for a for-profit in a very particular field and never have to hear the word SEO. But yeah. I feel like it's just out there now. Like, yeah. someone knows somebody who, like, that's their job. Yeah. But um, and so they focus on on making sure that uh, the site is intact, that there's no bugs that are going to keep someone from accessing the site. So we should definitely be hitting somewhere between 750 to a million monthly, probably mm-hmm. as early as February. So you do cover still obviously a lot of local oh, stuff, yeah. but you also cover, na- cover national stories. Yeah. So how do you kind of balance your coverage to cater to your national audience as well as your local. Yeah. So our managing editor, he's from Oklahoma um, and he works right here at the headquarters um, and he knows the community. He knows Lawton. He knows he graduated with a journalism degree from Oklahoma, uh, the University of Oklahoma. So he's plugged in. Right. So he focuses on the local stories, the state stories. He does do national stories. Um, He's interviewed the White House a few times. Um, Recently, he interviewed the uh, chief of the uh, Cherokee Nation um, that I believe that video is either out today or if it's not out today, it'll be out tomorrow. Um, But yeah, you know, he focuses mostly on the local stories. Mike, another one of our uh, talented writers slash videographers focuses on a lot of the black tech stuff that's going on. Tech stars is in town. So he's been focusing on that. Um, and then we have some other writers who are national writers like Zeke Walk- Walker from um, Charlotte, North Carolina. He does all national stories. Um, but he's he's done some Tulsa stuff too. So are you are you thinking of maybe having like almost like additions for the different sort of focuses? Almost like a Black Wall Street Times Tulsa and then a Black Wall Street Times National and a Black Wall Street Times, you know. um, And I'll be completely honest, like my main focus now is to kind of have Tulsa be the center of um, our media outlet. Like the focal point would be Tulsa. So you look at the New York Times, right? The New York Times has its own section dedicated to everything that's happening in New York. Um, And so that's what I want to have for for the Black Wall Street Times here in Tulsa. Um, but then, of course, still have that national reach. So, yeah, I think it's a good way to kind of refocus um, people who are not living in the Midwest, right? Most of the people are on the on the coastal cities. Mm-hmm. They have no clue of what's happening here. And it's like, we exist and there's a bunch of stuff happening here. Please pay attention to us. Yeah. Um, because I'm the driver of the ship. I can you know, redirect the people's attention. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if that's like an evil thing or not, but it's like, focus on us. I think it makes a lot of sense. It's, it's your outlet. It's what, what you started, you know, it's where the roots for both you and the, the, the paper are. So it makes sense that it would be rooted here. Yeah. And yeah, the the people on the coast, what was, was interesting as someone who's lived on the coast there, the, the way you can cover and talk about, news in a place like Tulsa and Oklahoma is a lot different than you can on the coast because all the players know each other. That's right. right. And in a place like Boston, like you could have two groups warring who never actually interact. Right. But here they kind of do, even if they don't want to, right. There's just, that's just the way Tulsa is. It's not big enough to completely 
even the people who want to segregate themselves here can't completely do it, yeah, which true. is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I so, totally agree with you. Look at you, South Tulsa. Anyway. <laughs> and yeah. Jinx. Yeah. Don't forget Broken Arrow. Broken Arrow. And Bixby. Right? Bixby. Yeah. <laughs> Bixby. Yeah. But I, I do think it's interesting because um, one of the things that people don't see, especially when they look at a place like Oklahoma that is, you know, giant red dot, you know, is all the work that people who aren't, you know, that, that it isn't universally red. Right, um, especially in a place like Tulsa and certain it's areas of pretty Tulsa, damn red. It though. is, but there are a lot of people who are trying to do more and make it better, mm-hmm. and it, it highlighting those and letting people see that there are opportunities. Right, you know, there are people who are trying and redirecting that focus so that they don't see Oklahoma as a lost cause, especially for those who, of us who are. You know, right. trying yeah. to make sure it's not a lost cause. You know, cause. I always, it seems like every time there's, every time we finish an election, I usually call um, some of the, the, the state party people here and I say, hey, this is what they're doing in Georgia mm-hmm. to win. Yeah. We need to do this here in Tulsa. And I don't know, I just don't know what's happening. I mean, you, I'm trying to yeah. I'm like, this is the plan. This is the blueprint. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Greg Robinson, who ran for mayor. Yeah. Yeah. Very good friend of mine was literally on the ground working um, in Georgia. And I don't know if you guys saw my post or mm-hmm. people that are watching saw the post. But um, when I tell you that we were literally at a bar and these people didn't know who I was. They didn't know who Dr. Tiffany Crutcher was or anybody else that was there. Didn't know who they were. And they were chanting Greg's name at the bar. <laughs> the whole bar was chanting his name. I was like, this is like insane. Yeah. The level of a genius and work ethic that he has. You know, we need, to, we need people like that uh, to be able to start voter campaigns in mm-hmm. the state so people can be engaged. Well, I, well, I was actually going to ask you that. What are the things that you've seen done in Georgia that could translate? Let me tell here? you, they will knock the hinges off your door. They will knock your door down and ask you if you voted, what time you vote. Text me, send me a photograph of you <laughs> digitally. <laughs> Text me, right? Uh-huh. Um and it's just like the culture is voting. That is yeah. the culture. Um, here, it's just like, oh, it's yeah. another election. You know, well, we don't even know who's on the ballot. I what mean, are they? Yeah, you look. The they go out of their way to make sure you're informed. Absolutely. And, and here, you look. The voter turnout is atrocious, right? And you couple that with uh, straight party voting, which is another another issue in the state. It means that. Republicans are almost guaranteed to every to time. But if there ever, if you could ever get enough of the Democrats who stay at home because they think their their vote isn't worth anything to go out and vote, I'm not saying it would flip overnight, but it didn't flip overnight in Georgia either. And here's the thing, too: like you since 2020, since 2001, there. Every single presidential election since 2001, every single county has gone red. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't make sense to me yeah. at all. You have Arkansas. Even Arkansas has blue dot. Mm-hmm. 
but Oklahoma does not have blue dots. Yeah. Every state around Oklahoma has a blue dot, mm-hmm. especially the the metropolitan areas, right? Yeah. But not here. Everyone's like waiting towards like waiting for midnight to to pop through and they're like, oh, like we're gonna turn it blue. We're gonna turn Tulsa County blue. People are just so excited. And it's like ding, and almost like I told you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, like oh, we're all we're, we're all around the same age. So we've all seen the same presidential elections. And you can tell me it was a surprise to me that it was Georgia that became the swing state. Like we spent so many years worrying yeah. about Ohio and Florida. Oh, yeah. And now fuck both of those states. Like <laughs> We spent so much time and energy, which we could have put, obviously, in better places. Should have put right. some of that in North Carolina. <sighs> right. That's yes. another state with a lot of potential. Yeah. That's one that just needed some some money to help with the turnout, and they yeah. probably could have, could have flipped it. It was close, even without support from the National Party. Well, and, like, Oklahoma's going to have to do what Georgia did, which is, like, get candidates that aren't trying to run as, like... Uh, they were going to say clone Stacey Abrams. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> You know, like, Greg can be our Stacey Abrams. Yeah. I mean, again, like his his campaign, which was on a very short timetable, oh, yeah. did incredibly well. Did incredibly well. Yeah, I mean that that was happening and around the same time. National support. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That dude's a superstar. Yeah. If you remember, I mean, that was part of around the time when we talked. That was the point when we'll say Tulsa was, or a certain segment of Tulsa was starting to turn on Mayor Bynum. Yeah. You know, he had seemed like a I'll say to a lot of to, on the outs, people looking on the outside, he had seemed like an advocate for the community and was at least trying to do more. Now, you may, being, may have seen more than, than the rest of us had, but at that point when Trump showed up and how he handled the pit. That was it right there. That, that really was the broke my heart. Yeah. You know, I've tried so hard with him so many times, um, but that was it. It was just mm-hmm. like, but people are dying. Yeah, this is a global pandemic, and yeah. there's no other place on the planet mm-hmm. that is holding a rally like this. Yeah, in a stadium. Yeah, yeah. And my mind just, it just, I could not, I just couldn't even conceive it. Mm-hmm. Like well, the psychology of both of them. Yeah, yeah. It's like, are you healthy? <laughs> I don't think so. Because yeah, look what you're doing here. Terrifying. Well, and that was disappointing. That was about the moment when Greg started his campaign. Yeah, that's when my spouse was like, "We're leaving." Yeah, because this doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, you know, we don't want to get into the mindset that like nothing we do can change things or matters because that we know that's not true. Right, that's definitely not true. It's just hard. It's hard on a daily basis to focus ourselves on the fact that like there are changes that we can impart that we might not see Mm -hmm. in our lifetimes, but it doesn't mean they're not worth doing. I think that the strategy should be county level. Mm -hmm. We need to stop trying to turn the whole state. It's not going to happen anytime soon. And if we could just focus on counties Mm -hmm. and school boards and Mm -hmm. council offices, right. Then that's how the change happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at the, the city council, there have been some very successful campaigns in right. Tulsa for, for more uh, progressive candidates, and some haven't. And if you look at some of the ones that, lo- that lose, we recently inter- interviewed KJ, who was rolling off, and she said that some of them 
weren't knocking on doors, you know, weren't doing, didn't have a ground game, right? And that's kind of the difference. And you see the last, uh, you know, gubernatorial campaign here, um, Tulsa, Oklahoma City, and I think Cleveland County were all blue, at least for right now. I mean, granted, she, she was more of a purple candidate than a blue candidate, but still, it shows you that that yeah, maybe maybe we're not going to change things who they vote for on a national level. Mm-hmm. You're right. Maybe if we can get them to focus more local, we can make some changes. I mean, momentum only political momentum, which is different from sports momentum, just so you know. <laughs> like, you have to lose some races closely mm-hmm. to have, yeah, to then be able to win them. You can't just win one out of nowhere. Yeah. So, Oklahoma progressives and liberals and Democrats have to put up good candidates who are running as they are yeah. and as they want to be and just, you know, explode in the most possible way, po- the most positive way possible knowing that the next candidate will probably mm-hmm. get the, the, the energy they built. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's almost like we've run out of people too who are willing to put themselves in that position. Yeah. Cause it's not fun it's to run for political not office. Like not like Lord, all the skeletons in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 The three of us not running for political yeah, office. Right, all right? right. Uh, I've said enough things in this podcast alone to stop me from ever. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's see you get some funding for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, listen. It, I it, mean, Kendra Horn was a, was a very good candidate. She ran a good campaign. I mean, even when we were um, door knocking with the Terrence Crutcher Foundation, she showed up there and and yeah. knocked on doors with them. You know, she was out there. But I mean, that's the thing. You need people who are willing to do that and okay with losing, mm-hmm. so that maybe the next person doesn't lose by as, as yeah. much, and, and the next person like a sore loser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We've had some incidences where people would say things. Yeah, and it's just like, no, this is not what we want, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, so this is a uh, this Christmas week. It's Christmas, uh, yeah. This weekend, okay. So it's Christmas week, twenty twenty two. We're going into twenty twenty three, which again, a year I never thought I'd actually get to. As a child, I'm like, wow. I, I soon would just be old and dead at this point. But that's because <laughs> when you're young, you think forty is old, and you hit forty, you're like, no, I'm fine. Everything's yeah. fine. Um, I mean, everything's not fine. No, I mean, lots of things hurt. You get tired earlier. It's true. Like mm. going down to the ground to pick something up on your knees is more difficult than it used to be. <laughs> it's, it's just always knees on a wood floor. I'm like, mm, this hurts. But 2023, it's a year before a presidential election year, which means the elections already started. But what, what, are you, what are you thinking about and working towards for 2023, both for the Black Wall Street Times and just sort of Tulsa as a whole? Yeah, so for the Black Wall Street Times, um, you know, I've had a bunch of venture capital people start kind of following our work. I think they're probably wondering if there's going to be some sort of announcement when we decide to finally raise. And so my goal is to start raising capital for the Black Wall Street Times in the second quarter of 2023. So hopefully we can close at like five million and really be able to scale um, our national reach. So that's the goal with that. And hire more people, talented mm. folks. Um, for Tulsa, hmm, I do want to start a nonprofit. I definitely want to start a nonprofit and it, it would be in the same vein of journalism um, just so we can be able to support some of the less sexy issues um, that need to be talked about, right? 
health education mm-hmm. um because we're just not focusing on those things there's something wrong Older with yeah. there's something yeah. wrong with me that i find those to be sexy <laughs> issues <laughs> but yeah. yeah me right like yeah, yeah. but well and um you know, it's got to be diff. I mean, this is a difficult time to be in journalism at all. Yeah. And, and the Tulsa world just like laid off another, another group of people. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just having, having some kind of extra support I can see would be very powerful for yeah. people who do want to cover those issues, but are worried, uh, you know, about how they're going to take care of their family at yeah. the same time. Yeah. You have to, like the news industry is changing. It has changed so much to where little guys like us can be competitive mm-hmm. and be able to challenge a Tulsa world, right? Or, or rival with them. Um, and it's, I think they're starting to understand that like all of this overhead that y'all have is not working out. Get rid of the building. Yeah. Stop printing papers every day. Stop hiring people to go toss them onto. People can get on their phones and, and see the news. Yeah. You know, they got to change that model up. It's too expensive. Mm-hmm. That's why we literally print once a year because it's expensive. Yeah. We publish every single day. Mm-hmm. And paper's been expen- ridiculously expensive during this, um, you know, pandemic slash post pandemic. Right. And, yeah. and it's another supply chain thing. Like I, I have a lot of clients who are authors and trying to get their book actually published, like, physically mm-hmm. like they end up just releasing the ebook first and then six months later they finally get the books and i'm just like yeah. yikes that's expensive it's expensive and yeah. it's expensive already yeah it's so. it's interesting uh uh one of the newspapers in arkansas what they did is to encourage people to use the online and not buy physical papers anymore was they basically rent them uh an ipad so they get an ipad as long as they're subscribing oh, and they subscribe i heard about this yeah online uh, newspaper instead of getting the physical one, it was cheaper for them to send all of the people who are subscribing an iPad to to basically oh, use wow. to read their paper than it was for them to print papers and pay to have somebody go out and deliver them wow. every day. Yeah, I mean, because like that makes sense. Yeah, the the New York Times has done a really good job of every once in a while they'll 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 do a story that's only available online and they'll use the fact that it is online to make it completely different looking than a regular news article and. Mm-hmm. I think that's what needs to happen next. It's like, we need to get, not only do we need to stop printing physical newspapers, we need to stop thinking of it in that framework. That's that's correct. Mm -hmm. So like, um, and I had mentioned earlier that we're switching um, our CMS content management. I'm familiar. (laughs) Uh, We're switching that over so we can really do the cool uh, work, right? Um, Visual work. and so people will see more visuals, visual appealing content uh, on the Black Wall Street Times because of the type of tools that will, our stuff will look as clean as, as the New York Times or Time Magazine. It will be, it'll be on that level. So you, you called Black Wall Street Times a media company. Mm-hmm. So are you looking, uh, how much are you looking to expand beyond news or is that will that always be your focus yeah well news is always going to be like our beat um but i mean entertainment all of these things right Mm -hmm. podcasts um video production work yeah we just did our just finished filming our first like vox style video Mm -hmm. um today um and that will come out in january i don't want to talk too much about it but it'll be really exciting. So do you foresee being almost like a 
production company oh, yeah. as, as part of it. Absolutely. We'll yeah. do all of those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, visual, some people just don't read. You know, they would rather listen to someone. Yeah. Tell them what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. So. Again, one of the reasons we're filming this one particularly is I'm, I'm going to test the theory about whether some people just listen to podcasts on YouTube. And so whether it's whether it actually is showing anything or not. So, okay, so we talked about what's going to happen for the Black Wall Street Times in 2023. Let's talk about more like America's fight with its own racism and, um, you know, years hundreds of years of oppression and death. Remember when people thought that racism was cured? <laughs> yeah. Those people, like that was like 20 years ago. People were like, hey, we did it. God, that, that was yeah, they were like, yeah. Obama is there. We, yeah. We have crossed over. <laughs> I was like, listen, we elected a... Um, like, a January 6th started when Obama was oh, elected. For sure. First for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's what you need to understand. Yeah. yeah. Everybody forgot about the ba- the inevitable backlash. Yeah. yeah. It, I didn't. It was very, it cut deep. Yeah. It really did. We almost lost our democracy. Yeah. We did. Still not saved yet. Nope. But. We're in a better place though. Yeah. God. Yeah. We are. I think like with the election of Trump as president, January 6th also awoken a group of people who had just been sitting there thinking everything was going to be fine. They didn't need to get involved. Mm -hmm. Like there's only so many times that excuse works for you as a person in contrast to what you were actually seeing in the world. And again, we're over here like, we told you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We told you that guy was dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Although it was amazing how quickly people went, a bunch of people went from, oh, this is horrible. It's terrible to downplaying it. Yeah. Days later. Easily. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they wanted to get reelected and they yeah. want to lose their money. Yep. So building off of that, uh, you know, let's, let's just jump into the fun part. I, what I'm calling the fun part of this conversation. <laughs> let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Kanye and Kyrie Irving. Let, let's get into this. Oh my God. Because and Chris and I were talking about this. Like there is a, there's a nuance that we don't get to in these conversations, which is that there are white people who say the exact same things as these two and don't get in trouble. And yet we're putting a lot of pressure on these very public black men. And I can see why people will be like, well, why aren't you yelling at this other person? Mm-hmm. President Trump um, yeah. saying these exact same things. On the other hand, I'm of the feel like, first of all, like I critique everybody yeah, right. and it's how big your audience is and whether your audience is listening to me will affect whether you hear my complaints about that person or not. Yeah. If that makes sense. But you know, like, like, you and I have gone to lots of Facebook ar- not arguments, not with each other, but with other people about, yeah. about the weird, I would say, attention drawn to tensions between the Jewish and black communities in America and how like one, we should be, we should be partners and we have been partners. And yet there's also a weird, there's, I mean, there's racism on both sides towards each other. Yeah. But like where, you know, and I th- honestly, I feel like, Kanye's thing and Kyrie Irving's things are sort of two separate categories of anti-Semitism, but the the Kyrie Irving one really just confused me in the sense of how confident he was about not apologizing. About like, I get it. Like, I haven't watched that documentary, even though as part of Focus Black Oklahoma, we're going to just for, because if we're going to talk about it, we have to watch it, yeah. right? And it's almost one of those things where it's something that if you don't, if it's not about you necessarily, you don't see it as 
something that you need to be paying attention to. So he was focused on another part of that story, not necessarily the anti-Semitic part that was also there. Yeah, like ignoring the fact that George Floyd was choked out on national television. Mm -hmm. That's literally what he did in his own way. Yeah. So without naming what it is. So, and it is anti-Semitic. So I think that um, Mr. Irving, right? Um, I think that... I don't, I don't think that he's anti-Semitic in his core, right? In his soul. But I think that there's a level of ignorance and um, arrogance and not being able to admit that he's wrong and just be hold his own self accountable. Like, oh, maybe I should not have tweeted that because of this, right? He could have did that. And I apologize for my mm-hmm. ignorance. That's all he had to do. Yeah. But that arrogance, that ego, that's what killed him. I mean, that's what got him <laughs> losing money, you know? So, yeah, I, I think it is um, interesting to see how, um, you know, I mean, it's true. Black celebrities are held to a different mm-hmm. standard than white celebrities. Yeah. So that if they say something that even if it is truly horrific, like what some, uh, what, what, especially Kanye has said, um, you know, there is, it feels like there's no coming back for them the way that often white celebrities are given additional chances later. So it's almost like they are on a, uh, uh, a razor's edge where if they do say something wrong, then there is no coming back. Right. But I think that like Kyrie, I think that he, he had a way out. That's true. He didn't take it. Yeah. If he would have said, I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm, speaking to people so I can unlearn my anti-Semitism, mm-hmm. you know, or learn exactly what anti-Semitism is, then he would have been good. Yeah. You know, Kanye West is like, yeah, let's do, you know, DEFCON 3 on the Jewish people. And I mean, he named it. He was very specific mm-hmm. in what he said. Um, and I think it doesn't matter if it's Kyrie or if it's Kanye. I don't think that there's room you know, uh, in the world for that kind of ignorance at all. Whether the person is Black and they're going to get it harder. Um, I just think that the world is too dangerous, especially when people have these kinds of platforms. Mm -hmm. There's no excuse. Yeah, I always go back to the whole Harriet Tubman (laughs) analogy, right? Um, That if we were all running from the plantation, and Kanye is over here acting up, right? We need to appease the master because we're gonna, he's gonna get us. Or maybe he'll like me more if I'm just, you know, throwing you guys all under the bus or something. He would have gotten blasted. Yeah. So what if he's black? You're endangering everybody yeah. that's trying to get to freedom. Yeah. And it's exactly what they're both doing, mm-hmm. you know, because one's not admitting his ignorance. And the other one is absolutely intently being anti-Semitic. Yeah. That is my three cents on that. It's just, it's so frustrating because yeah, when it's one of those things where they, they, you're missing, you're missing the real enemy, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, uh, we Jews, we are not perfect. There are, there, there are in weird ways in American culture where we do have more power than we should, considering our size and, um, you know, the things we do. On the other hand, like we, 
I would say overall, American Jews especially are not, we are every other oppressed group's best friends if they would let us be them. Because that's literally all we want to do, both for selfish reasons and for altruistic reasons. One, like the, the selfish reason is because like if, if America's going after this group, we're probably going to be next. And yeah. then the, uh, the altruistic reason is because we know what it's like to be attacked like that. Yeah. And so we don't want other groups to do it. And so like, why are you yelling at us? Yeah. Like it's, it's just so self-defeating yeah. to me. And it's not like we're just talking about, you know, the Holocaust, which was decades ago. There are literally shootings happening every day. And many of them are driven by this and similar ideologies, right? So there is real violence tied to this kind of talk, right? I mean, we see that happening all the time. So it, it is literally, I mean, it is dangerous. Yeah, It's dangerous for everyone involved. And I will say, we're, we're still feeling, the world is still feeling the ramifications of the Holocaust mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Because that's the reason why all of the little Nazi supporters came out after mm-hmm. Kanye did his little thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's... The ramifications, the residue is still here. Yeah. Um, the enemy is white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And we have to get rid of that shit. Yeah. So, so you know, for people who are still watching or listening at this point, you know, there is no one thing we could do to get rid of white supremacy. But there are lots of small things we could do to, to make it harder for society to just let... Because, again... And can we be clear about what white supremacy yes. is? Yeah. So, like... Um, and this, hopefully this, this doesn't confuse people. There was a time in my life, I literally had, um, internalized racism in me. Right. And with that, I would practice white supremacy. You know, I I really would. I would be on a train or something. Right. Um, oh, I don't want to hang out with those people or let me cross the street because I'm scared of my own damn people. You know? Um, and and that's practicing white supremacy. So black people, it doesn't matter who it is. Anybody could literally be practicing, you know, these harmful behaviors. So not hiring someone because of their name. A black person in HR could literally not hire someone who has a black sounding name. Anyone can have it. It's the, it's the system in which we all live, whether yeah. we know it or not. And so I think it's just really the most important thing anyone can do is un- understand that if even in, even though they don't necessarily understand how white supremacy has affected society the way it does, knowing that it does without them seeing it, right. that knowledge alone, I think, is yeah. that, that's step one. It's like acknowledging there's a thing that you can't see mm-hmm. that affects every part of your life, even if it's not in any way negative to you. Yeah, that's good. Well, and, and being inside corporate America and seeing the people who are trying to change things, um, where I work, where they targeted was recruiters because they're the people who filter who gets to the hiring managers yeah. and seeing the candidate pool change and become markedly more diverse over the last couple of years because they figured out that was one of the things that was uh, preventing a more diverse workforce in a lot of companies was those recruiters, whether it was because of someone's name, mm-hmm. whether because they were, you know, looking at a resume and they were, val- val- you know, valuing Oklahoma State over Langston University, yeah, right? Things good. like that. And they were filtering out candidates or they were looking at, um, you know, the type of um, experience they had, 
right? And so you're compounding where a white person who is e- it was easier for them to get a job means it's easier for them to get the next job and the next job because they're building experience. Yeah. So that's been something interesting to see. And that's an example of kind of a smaller thing that you can do, you know, if, if you are somebody that hires people, tell your, tell your uh, recruiter, or if you're hiring directly yourself, make sure you're not being so restrictive in how you're hiring that you exclude good candidates That's good. and you exclude um, a diverse talent pool because of how you're doing it. That's good. Yeah. I mean like, so like those are, those are small things that people can do inside the places they work and where they live to make the world a little more diverse and whatnot from, you know, living where you have lived and doing the work you do now, what say in the, in the journalistic space could people do to fight against white supremacy? I guess the way I phrase that question. Diversify their newsrooms, right? Like some people, they'll they'll see the Black Wall Street Times and be like, "Everyone's there. Everybody is black. That place. That's you guys are racist." People tell us that all the time, and it's like, "Well, did you see who wrote the article?" And they're like, "Oh my God, it's a white person, or it's a Jewish person, or it's an Asian or an Indian person," you know. So, I mean, I believe I'm, I practice what I preach. Diversity is is what it matters. It makes your team super strong. Get all of these perspectives. You know, because I have blind spots and someone from a different culture may be able to see those things and say, hey, this may be harmful to mm-hmm. my culture. So this is probably how I would say that. All right, we're going with that. guys." Boom. And then it's a hit article where everyone could receive something from mm-hmm. it. When I would say from an end user experience, you should diversify your own news sources, too. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, that was something. But do you guys watch Fox News, though? <laughs> I read, I read, I read it's things that randomly when I go into places. Yeah, I read things that watch Fox News for me, <laughs> and they tell me what Fox News is saying, so I don't have to actually watch mm-hmm. it myself. Yeah. Uh, which again, that's also a bias because they're mm-hmm. watching Fox News to make fun yeah. of it. But I, I would say my my local news sources are diverse, but nationally, I don't I don't uh, read a lot of the. I'll say more. Gotcha. Extreme conservative. I probably should. I mean, I really should. I mean, if nothing else, understand what the other side, if you will, is saying. I listen. I actually watch Fox News. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, I don't. It's not an everyday thing for me, but it's more like um, I want to let me do a temperature check and see what's going on over here. Um, and it's. I'm like, I'm definitely who I am because I don't like any of this crap that they're talking about over here. Um, but I do because I, I want to try to stay informed and have a, a broader perspective. And sometimes they say things that I'm like, oh, okay, well, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it is funny when... Every now and yeah. then. <laughs> yep. It's not often. Every yeah. once in a while, like like Fox and Friends, they'll actually like argue with each other and everyone's just like, oh my God, like yeah. this is happening. And it's it's amazing because you, you see through the veneer of what they're, not what they're told to say, but like where they, what they would normally say. Right. Their persona, and, their media persona. Versus, yes. And then yeah. w- when they actually start arguing about something, you're like, oh, that like they're seeing different things. And so they can't agree 100% with each other because they themselves have gone outside of their own bubbles just just ever so slightly. Yeah. You know, Trump does something so ridiculous that even one of them can't be like, okay, maybe we 
we don't have to defend this. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then they, you know, the, the commercial comes on and they have a whole talking to, right, by the producers. Uh, uh-huh. And their shit is back together. <laughs> yeah. They're back in formation. That is true. After that is the true. My Pillow commercial. And yeah. The, after the My like, Pillow. You get it together. You're fired. So you get in there and you get, you say exactly what you're being told yeah. to say. Yeah. 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 Our viewers aren't selling enough of their gold. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it, it's also, it is a reminder that none of us are a hundred percent one thing. Yeah. Right. Even the most liberal or most conservative person, there are, there are beliefs that they hold that are never going to be a hundred percent in line mm-hmm. with that. So it, it does, it does kind of remind you when you look at different diverse news sources, kind of remind you like, Oh yeah. Cause it's not just important to hold the other side accountable. It's also important to hold your side That's accountable good. for what they're doing, you know, and, and seeing what the other side is saying, it can remind you, you know what, maybe we aren't doing this well, mm-hmm. whether it's messaging, which frankly, the democratic party isn't great at messaging. We're bad. We're bad <laughs> at it. We always have been. We're working on it. We're trying. Or uh, trying too hard to, um, follow some arbitrary rules they've set when the people that they're competing with are not following those rules. I feel like we've gotten better at that. That's for sure. So give us that dark money. We'll take all of it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But no, I mean, uh, yeah, I I think, I think that's something that we always have to remember that it's important to understand who you are and what you believe, right? What the people you support believe and hold yourself and them accountable. That's good. I mean, I always try to read like, you know, New York Times does really try, especially on their opinion page to have a diverse group of writers. And there's always nonsense, but yes, that's a good marketing strategy for them at all. (laughs) I mean, because again, I always like, I'm going to read this one. I know I'm going to get angry about it, but I'm going to read it because just like, even if they're just doing it because they, they feel like somebody from their perspective needs to be saying something about this. It's always good to one, the it's always good to know why they care about something versus something else. Yeah. Right. Cause it's always, it's all about priorities. All of our bubbles are about the priorities of things we care about or the people we care about. Mm-hmm. It's just, again, the difference between um, progressives and conservatives is how wide that bubble is. Yeah. And at least that, that's my perspective at least. Right. Um, I just need you to be sane. That's it. Yeah. And so, the way that Liz Cheney has moved, I can respect her from a distance, mm-hmm. right? Um, because she did the right thing. She's conservative as hell. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what? I could work with someone like that. Mm-hmm. We're probably going to get into a lot of arguments, but I can work with you because you deal in facts and reality yeah. and not, you know, make believe. <laughs> That was one of the things that uh, disappointed me about Senator Langford because mm. it felt like he was like that yeah. too. You know, I disagreed with him politically on most things, but it felt like he was principled and it did seem like that. And then he fell in line with everyone else, you know, under Trump and, you know, completely seemingly lost any backbone he had. Yeah. 
And now they're, we, they're yeah. all looking for the Antichrist. I'm like, that's him. Yeah, right? <laughs> you guys were looking for it. That's yeah. the guy, right? You thought there. it was Obama. It yeah. wasn't, right? Like, the world's still coming. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, your faces when you realize, like, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you know, I we we try not to make every episode a pod for sad. Uh, <laughs> you know, and like to add some sort of pod for hopefulness part to this conversation. What do you think has gotten better in the last couple of years? Uh, so before we were not rudely interrupted by uh, Dr. Tiffany Crutcher, we were talking about like what uh, what has gotten better in the last couple of years. You were saying you you were you were saying how wonderful Tulsa was. So we can go back to that part. I hardly ever say that. Um, it's it's gotten better, right? Um, I think that people are. I don't want to say they completely gotten Trump out of their system, but that disease is starting to kind of you know, disperse out so or evaporate. Um, I'll say that um, there's a lot going on. People are listening. People in positions of power are starting to do way more listening. Um, and I think that that has definitely helped uh, Tulsa, Tulsa become better. Um, and people are mixing around. Like I've, haven't seen this much diversity ever in this city. So I'm happy to see that. Um, I would like to see more action with what's happening with the survivors massacre. Um, our politics, we need to get that together still, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of people that are betting on Tulsa. That's why I still have hope for this place. I give it five or 10 years and I think that we'll We'll see a lot of, a lot of change. More so, change. so none of us bought Trump's NFT. Just, to, <laughs> just to clarify. All right, it's sold out. Sold out of them. You, you could make more. They're just digital images. My so. favorite part is that some of the digital images were stolen. Hmm. Yeah, just like everything else he does, uh, right? Yeah. So, not one original idea at no. all. No. No. NFTs are stupid. All right. Um, well, <laughs> now let's talk about Elon. No, <laughs> we're coming for you, Elon. Yeah. Listen, yeah. I voted in that Twitter poll. Man, you're done. Oh, yeah. I totally did too. Yeah. And I said, get out. I want to know what. <laughs> yeah. I said, you're done, sir. Yeah. Uh, listen, I mean, he, he said he in the quote, ban everyone who said yes. That's God, the next step. Listen, if he was that smart, I would be amazed because that would be the funniest way of doing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, listen, you said it. So uh, the, the millions of people who, sc who screenshotted that poll with him oh. saying like, I will, you know, yeah, get out. Yeah. I told you, I still think that um, he was going to step down anyways and was trying to use this as like his ego. So it he was say, way out. well, I'm, I'm following what the people said. I was going to stay on, but here's yeah. this other person that we miraculously hired that was, already. It was such a preschool move though. Like he's like, do you like me or do you not like yeah. me? Yeah. Circle yes or yeah. no. Imagine, That's what that was. Yeah. Imagine spending $44 billion what to buy CEO something. does that anyways? <laughs> you know what I mean? Not, like, not a healthy one. Jeez. No. Yeah. He's like he's like Trump with even less. You're uh, telling tact. us that you don't have the capacity to run the organization. Yeah, yeah. And make decisions and feel confident about mm -hmm. those decisions. Well, he's probably going to get forced out. That of shows a lack of confidence, really. He's probably going to get forced out as CEO of Tesla. 
if he kept on I think so too. Twitter. If I was a shareholder over there, I'd be like, they're, they're, they're upset. Together. Yeah. Because you're, we're losing money on both sides now. Mm-hmm. All of these progressives are not buying our car because they think that you're a white supremacist. Yeah. And I'm starting to think that you are too. <laughs> Who would like, have thought that somebody raised in apartheid would be a white right? supremacist? Right? Right? Yeah. Uh, I'm shocked. No shocked, way. I tell you. That was bitch. Him, yeah. him and that one uh, paraplegic athlete. I'm like, wow, dark turns for both of those guys. Matthew, um, well, weird transition to make there. <laughs> yeah, listen, tell some might be bad. We're not apartheid South Africa bad. So there's that. Oh my gosh. But we did kill 300 black people yeah. and burn down their entire town. That is true. I never saw Swato get burned down like that. <laughs> That's true. So Tulsa. In you, some ways, we are worse than a part <laughs> Yeah. Elon Musk, I apologize. No. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Nehemiah, thank you again for joining us. I know every time you come to town, you are very busy and you always give me a, a, a amount of time that I feel like is more than I deserve. So I appreciate it. Thank you for letting us use your uh, awesome offices that are uh, where. Uh, Dion and Mike said right over here. Luckily, they both went home, so they didn't have to just quietly work to the right <laughs> of us here. But thank you so much. And, you know, uh, for our viewers slash listeners, like come to the Black Wall Street Black Wall Street Times offices, buy some new cool merch they got. They got yeah. some nice sweatshirts and hoodies. So um, anything else you want to tell people before we, before we shut down? Uh, thank you. Uh, ended it on a great note. Thank you so much for having me again. Thank you all for listening to our sort of end of year recap episode about how worse or better the world is with Nehemiah Frank. And please, you probably already do this. Please check out the Black Wall Street Times, both their website and their social media feeds. They are posting great content and articles and stories every day. Nehemiah is a good dude who does it when he does come into town always lets us bother him for like an hour and uh, we appreciate it. So please make sure to subscribe and like pod for good anywhere you get your podcasts and please please leave us a good review and as if do what your mother's all told you which is if you can't say anything nice don't say anything at all three-star guy and listen if you're going to leave us a three-star at least leave a comment so we know why it's a three-star yes a three-star without a comment is useless what about us is just okay it's it's killing it's killing us Three-star guy. Yeah. We don't, we're either, either amazing right, yeah. or terrible. We're yeah. amazing or terrible. We're never just okay. No, no. Okay is more upsetting to me than terrible. Please make sure to follow Pod for Good on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I swear, 2023, we're going to post more because if I don't post, people don't listen. So, as always, Tilsa, get it done. Broken Arrow, you're still in the shithouse for the golf tournament thing. You just can't stay quiet for a week. Ugh, the worst. Anyway, happy holidays, everybody. Stay safe out there, especially if you're listening to this in Tulsa in the next week. As of right now, there's a lot of snow and ice on the ground, and people are probably freaking out, as they do here. Stay safe. Have a happy New Year's. We'll talk to you all again in 2023.